are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, NFL, and fantasy sports. We are coming to you live from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte on this Wednesday, a game night, the Cleveland Cavaliers in town for classic nights, a big game and a big show ahead. That's why we didn't even do a pre-show. We're not fooling around here. We've got too much to talk about. And I've got the, the panel with me from the mean streets of Coswell, David Walker. Super classic to be here. <laughs> from the capital city, Nick Denning. I'm I'm out of hibernation after four days of no Hornets games. <laughs> oh my God, that's 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 good. Uh, and to my right, uh, you can't see him right now, but uh, the sun's not out, but the guns are out. Steve Bob Forrest. Ooh, so I uh, rode Ooh. rode the old Lynx blue line in. Guess who's on there? All the Cavs. All the Cavs. All the Cavs yeah. were on there. Were they? A, were they? Did they take up an entire car for themselves? Did there's they a lot move of people out of the seat. But in Charlotte, that wouldn't be Charlotte. They'd be like, "Oh, excuse me, sir. Oh, pardon me. I hope pardon you be- me, King. Hope you beat us tonight. We're nice. Southerners are nice. It's not a. It's a. It's an attribute. Yeah, I'm bad at basketball, but whatever. Hey, calm down. <laughs> uh, today's show is brought to you by Draft.com. It's like daily fantasy, only better. Try it today at Draft.com, and when you sign up, you can use our promo code LO Hornets. To get a free game. Again, big show. Dell Curry joins us a little later in honor of Classic Night at Spectrum Center. The Hornets will don the pinstripes that made them famous. We talk about those magical first few years with Dell. We'll find out what Classic Hornets team could have really made some waves in the playoffs and what he thinks Jeremy Lamb needs most to keep his hot start going now that he's heading back to the second unit. But first, Let's talk about this game tonight. LeBron James and the Cavaliers coming to town, fresh off a big win in Madison Square Garden. Tip is set for 8 o'clock p.m. on ESPN. David, it's the first national TV game for the Charlotte Hornets. One of two chances for fans to see LeBron James in Charlotte this season. What's the situation for the Hornets as they prepare for the Eastern Conference champions? Hey, quick question on this classic night. Do you think the Cavs will wear their classic... <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get to the meat of your question, Doug. But you think the Cavs are where they're they're uh, they're throwbacks? Hey, real quick. Want to ignore your question? But real quick, uh, answer mine. Uh, hey, yeah. we want to pop in here real quick. What's Craig Elo up to these days? <laughs> you know, Brad Doherty's got to be around, right? He's what? a big NASCAR guy. Yeah, I think he's from the area. Correct. Yeah, and I just want to derail this completely and get into some NASCAR. <laughs> Uh, I think David, maybe I'm not sure. I'm not. I don't know the answer to your question, unfortunately. Okay, well that's fair enough. Um, I think <laughs> the things that the Cavs have been struggling with, Doug, is defense. I mean, it's 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 well known. That's the talk of the league right now. Uh, there's another talk. Um, uh, so I think the classic Hornets night over at David's house, <laughs> getting interrupted by the kids. That was my 1988 voice. Um, you look at that game the other night, Doug, the Knicks, they were down big and they let the Knicks uh, or the Knicks let them come back. I mean, a familiar story to the Hornets. I mean, so that's classified as probably a bad loss uh, for the Knicks, even though it is the Cavs. They've been struggling. I just think the Hornets have such a hard 
time with LeBron in particular, all LeBron teams, any LeBron teams, that they're going to have to come out and uh, and shoot the ball well. I mean, I think that's they're going to have to score with the Cavs and, um, you know, just try and not make many mistakes. They're going to have to play better than they've played on the road, I'll tell you that. The Cavaliers have swept the four-game regular season series from the Hornets last season. They've won 10 out of the last 11 games against Charlotte, including the last six in a row. The Cavaliers coming to this one somewhat vulnerable, but so are the Hornets. Nick, what will Charlotte need to focus on to have a shot against Cleveland? I'm glad I'm glad you, you threw me this question because I just want to see this team actually focus on what they can do and pl- doing it well rather than anything else. And that's really what it comes down to is um, playing defense. Um, we talk about these fourth quarter collapses, and you know I know that the offense completely fell apart against uh, Boston there for a while. Um, but you know, if if I think we're up what eleven around that point coming into the fourth quarter, um, if they can just kind of hold things fairly steady, even if it's within nine, even maybe even seven, okay, just just hold a, a at least a two three possession lead um, for when that's the starting unit comes back in. You know, this might have been a different ending to that game. Um, I just don't like the way that the defense has been um, falling apart at times. Um, if they can, that, that's what their mantra has to be. That's what they want to be known for. Um, if they can do that more and do that tonight, um, I feel like they can redeem themselves a bit and get back on the right track. Yeah, they have to focus on getting off to a great start in the first quarter and the third quarter. If they get a lead, not being satisfied with that lead, stay on the attack. And I think the big key in this one, as it has been for the past two games, is that when the second unit gets in there in the fourth quarter, they have to sustain a lead. And and you know LeBron's going to probably play big minutes in this one, so it's going to be LeBron versus the second unit at times. And, uh, you know, it's just going to be another gut test for the Charlotte Hornets who have who have failed the past two uh, uh, gut checks. So I feel good about it uh, based on almost nothing. Okay. But um, like you said, I mean, we've had two uh, disappointing gut check uh, crunch time losses in, you know, big places. I, I would think if it's a national TV game, so there is that possibility again. And we know how LeBron likes to perform on that stage and against the Hornets. However, uh, it, it kind of comes down to like which Cavs team shows up, right? Because it's it's been mm-hmm. based on LeBron, like whether or not he really just wants to win the game. I mean, almost more that they're struggling so far this year, the Cavs are, but almost more than any other LeBron season, he's really showing like how much he can flip that switch when he wants to. It's kind of impressive in the way that they've they've been struggling. And then he's just like, no, we could win every game. I just don't want to blow myself out like that well yeah I mean this is this is sort of classic Cavaliers in November but at the same time they don't have some of those supporting pieces especially on the bench that can sustain them uh, through some of these losses that they've had and that's why you see them at seven and seven as opposed but I don't think you know the Cavaliers have just never been a team uh, that really cared about uh, the beginning of the regular season or maybe even the regular season in general uh, in insofar as it's just a means to get them to the playoffs and get them playoff ready. So, yeah, great point. You know, I, I want to I sort of piggyback off your point that there, there have been two different Cavs teams, and, and that has held true at the three-point line in victories for the Cavaliers. They are shooting 39% from deep and 32% in losses. So if the Hornets can do a good job defending the three-point line, not getting sucked in by drives from 
from LeBron James, trying to do your best. It's very difficult to keep him out of the paint, but doing your best to keep him out of the paint and keep him from kicking out to Kevin Love and to Kyle Korver, who's been very good for the Cavaliers. He's shooting 49% from three in their seven victories. He was central to their comeback victory against the New York Knicks, scoring 19 of his 21 points in the fourth. That's the second time this season he scored 19 in the fourth, and the fifth time he has had nine or more points. So, Definitely want to keep an eye on Kyle Korver in the final frame if the Hornets are are competitive in this game. All right, fantasy basketball fans, listen up. Draft Kyle Korver. That's number one. Number two, if you love fantasy basketball, then you need to try our new favorite app. It's called Draft. It's daily fantasy basketball, but they don't do it like the other guys. On Draft, you play real live snake drafts with other people, just like in your season-long league. Here's how it works. It's a draft that lasts for just one night, and there's no management. You just set it, and you forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Draft even takes care of last-minute injuries for you. Drafts start every couple of minutes, so you can join one right now. And the best part is you can play for cold, hard cash. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. No salary caps. Play in a real live snake draft, just like you play with your friends in a season-long league. Come and join me on Draft today. Download the app anytime. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes, or you can play right from your computer on Draft.com. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use our promo code LOHORNETS, that's LOHORNETS, and you can play a real money game for free just for using our promo code LOHORNETS on your first deposit on draft.com and you can follow us here on the show on draft as well loh doug loh nick and loh david and when we uh, enter drafts you can see those when we create these locked on hornets drafts that we do every week you can see those you can enter those and you can play along with us now we've been doing a live draft every wednesday here on draft wednesdays between nick and myself we're going to do that but we're going to draft it up while you guys listen to our interview with Del Curry, uh, and then we will reveal our teams after that interview. And, and I want to put some stakes on this. Some nice. I'm in this week. I'm in this week. Okay, right? David. Don't, don't, don't shut me out, bro. Don't all right. I'm sorry. Out. I didn't know. I didn't know. I wanted to confirm don't that. Freeze me out. I wanted to confirm that because you have been scared to play against the mug versus the Doug. Nick being the mug. <laughs> Doug just called. Just Doug just tried to clear out there. He went ISO. Well, listen, because I'm putting stakes on this, and this is a dangerous thing that I'm doing. This Mm. is a dangerous thing that I'm about to about to offer here. All right, the the winner will will not have to do the one chip challenge. Have you heard of this one chip challenge, David? Yeah, I'm familiar. Yes, it's very it's very hot on social media among the millennials. Um, really, and see, I don't think anyone's doing it except for like celebrities on sports shows. <laughs> now, this <laughs> is the only people that are doing the one chip. Now, challenge. this is where you you uh, get sober. It's a and you receive a a chip. What it you stop drinking? It is a it is one potato chip ah. that uh, is made with the Carolina Reaper pepper that is uh, made in Fort Mill, South Carolina, home and of the devil. And yeah, you you the the one chip challenge is this chip is so damn hot that it's really difficult to just eat one chip. That's how hot it is. But it's so good, it's also difficult to just eat one. Now that's sh- see, that's mm. the problem. Now sh- it's like a Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> should the both the losers have to take the one chip challenge, or should the bottom finisher 
do the one ship challenge. That was a confusing way to set that up. I just want to say two non winners or the bottom loser. What did you? Well, there's three of us playing. So should the winner, does the winner avoid it? What? I think it's more fun when you have two people doing it. I saw the guys on the Monday night countdown doing it prior to the Panthers game the other night because they're, they're in the region. They were local. So it was topical. Um, so yeah, I think the two lowest scores, right? All right. So the winner avoids doing the one chip challenge next week on the show. I, uh, I want to say that I want to actually uh, just void myself from this because <laughs> I have no desire to try. This. Sounds you like try, Nick, Nick. sounds like you're going to have to win. And yeah, Nick, maybe Nick, maybe this, this is, week uh, you'll remember to swap out Christos Porzingis if you draft him and, and he's injured. Yeah, yeah, Nick, it's true. Yeah, I'm just gonna eat it. I'm just gonna eat a Dorita. No one's ever gonna know. <laughs> oh boy, this is uh, this one's I'm real hot, test, guys. I'm gonna test that shit, <laughs> guys. Having trouble describing just how hot it is. I'm gonna but no. I'm gonna trust make sure me, it is hot because I ate it. The hot chip. Uh, I don't know. Don't be don't be scared, Nick. I don't it's know if Nick okay. understands. I, have you seen every every single time? Every single time any anybody does this, there's always one dude who ends up like. Throwing up for four hours. Yeah, that's true. You can and do what do what Charles Woodson did on that Monday night countdown and just take the half a chance. I think he threw the other half under the table and then the pretended Heisman. like he was a champ. Yeah. I'm calling out Charles Woodson on this show. Ooh. Yeah, it's that's the that's the point it's of dangerous. It. That's the point of the stakes though, is that somebody might end up barfing for eleven hours. <laughs> you know? I'd rather lose money, to be honest. Yeah. Well, Nick, that's not as fun. The people want to see you barf into your mug. That's what the that's what the I've got. We got a poll up on Twitter, and that's what yeah. they've all said. I'm, se- I'm, I'm second guessing this whole thing. We may have to film this separately. I don't know if I can do that first thing in the morning, Doug. This is getting scary. Yeah. God, man. I want to propose Why? A, everyone uh, is just a wimp about, on this show. About super hot coffee. Everyone coffee. is afraid. The super hot coffee is actually like literally dangerous <laughs> there's been lawsuits about what I, if, hope the what hornets, if it was a, I hope the hornets aren't as afraid of the cavaliers as these two gentlemen are of a of a hot potato chip maybe some sort of a, a chip chip roulette where you you got a bag there's four chips in it and a live Ooh. scorpion or something oh we could do like throw a rattlesnake in yeah there. okay okay can we do that then we'll put two we'll put double stakes on this so, loser, we'll do like a chip roulette where you don't know one is hot and one is not, One's and you have Dorito. to pick one. So maybe you'll avoid it. We'll give you an extra. Well, that's not gate. how that. You don't know my address, so you know. <laughs> Nick, I'm I'm counting on your honor. I'm I'm counting on the fact that you live in the capital city, Raleigh, North Carolina, where our our government is honorable. <laughs> well, sometimes. All right, we got to move on. David, what else do we know about the Cavaliers? They're bad at offense. Uh, they make a lot of mistakes. Or they're, they're great on offense. They're bad on defense. <laughs> yeah. They do All make right, a lot yeah. of mistakes on offense. They uh, they are, what, a 20th in the league in turnovers, according to Cleaning the Glass. They're 30th in uh, points per possession allowed, so that's last in the league uh, in that category. 29th in effective field goal percentage allowed. Give you yeah. some numbers there on the defense. Um, last season, also, yeah, go ahead, David. I was just going to say, you mentioned the second unit, but were the Cavs were having trouble about a week ago, and they got into a bit of a squabbling match, you know, uh, internally. Hashtag, the starters. hashtag squabbling match. <laughs> the starters hey, last night, not- hey, this reminds me of something. I'm sorry, David. Yeah, I'll forget ahead, it if I don't say point. this. But last night I was, <laughs> I was watching Wheel of Fortune with uh, producer uh, yeah. Katie. 
And the final clue. A great show. That's the whole point. The final clue was one of the words they used. I can't remember the exact phrase, but one of the words they used was quibble. Who's going to guess quibble? Man, I'm really glad uh, you interrupted David's cool point. But no, but listen, why in 2017 is Wheel of Fortune still using the word quibble in a clue? No one's going to guess quibble. The the Wheel of Fortune is a is a game designed to to make it difficult to win. You don't want everyone to win, so you throw in. But that's balls. too that's that to me that's almost unfair of Pat Sajak and company to give quibble. That's the way the wheel classic, spins. The classic night. <laughs> All right, David, go ahead. No. Um, what was I saying? What's your favorite yeah. game show? What's your <laughs> my word puzzles? I, I was just saying the Cavs starters were getting off to, to poor starts and the Hornets, I think, do particularly well when they get off to a better start. So I, I think getting out of the gates early will be key for this team tonight. One guy we haven't mentioned off the bench for the Cavs who always destroys the Hornets no matter where he is, is uh, Dwayne Wade. Thank who you. Who has, has not played well particularly this offseason or this season. <laughs> uh, but, you know, if it's going to come out anywhere, it feels like he will he will show up against Charlotte because he Sixth always does. We can't percentile, get away from Sixth percentile in points per shot attempt. I'm glad you brought that up, David. That's what I was chomping at the bit to bring this one up. I, this is a hot, hot take. Hot chip take coming out. He but, normally turns it on in Charlotte. I mean, dude, no, that was the last gonna game. There's going to be no purple shirt guy, though, most likely. <laughs> you don't know that? He gave up his season tickets. Um, I don't know that. If I was sure. Dwayne Wade, I would pay to have that guy sit courtside again. I'd buy that guy front row seats <laughs> and then just roast him. Uh, Dwayne Wade hasn't he's he's definitely in that stage where he's he's like what what a little bit what we talked about with LeBron but like 11 years past it where he's just like I I, I can turn it up one time every you know each which half is of odd the because they were drafted in the same it's so odd but he's uh he well, he was a senior right much older or junior yeah anyway well, that, that's my point talking about oh this guy's only look they've no also LeBron James is not it's a about human mileage. Being. Yeah. He's a cyborg. Yeah, so he's a cyborg yeah. sent from the future. But Dwayne Wade has a game in him, and you know he's waiting for a team. He's going to come off the bench. If if he gets it going early, I'd, I'd be worried about him for sure, too. Last season, the Cavs were a dominating threat from beyond the arc, ranking second in frequency and fourth in percentage this season. They are still taking nearly as many threes, but they just aren't making them. Kyrie Irving uh, going to Boston, obviously a factor in that, and throw in down shooting starts for Kevin Love and J.R. Smith. They are finishing, though, an astonishing 70.5% of their shots at the rim. That's tough when they're playing that well at the rim, and a lot of that, of course, has to do with LeBron James. What's that? Stop it all. Who who gets the assignment uh, on LeBron to start off with? Michael Kidd Gilchrist, I imagine. Yeah, and then... Yeah, Who didn't do a great job of stopping LeBron James last season. Or the that was season kind prior. Of a, or he's had a... I, the thing is, when they leave him alone on LeBron, like... Oh, it's got to be a team effort. MKG's gotten roasted by a bunch of guys in one-on-one, and people are like, oh, he's not that good on defense. Like, Carmelo had that career game against him. LeBron had a career game against him. But that was years ago. I mean, they're they're going to need some help on him. I'm worried about him in the post, and I'm, I'm looking to see some Cody down on him in the low post, but they're going to have to be switching all over on him. Well, this is going to be an interesting game to see how much uh, the Dwight Howard effect is going to have on MKG's defense, but Dwight Howard is going to be pulled out by Kevin Love. This is not a, to me, this is not a great matchup game for the Charlotte Hornets because 
You know, they're playing they're playing LeBron James at point guard. You've got Amon Shumpert, J.R. Smith. So I guess Kimba will be on Amon, and J.R. Smith gets the or maybe they flip that and go Kimba on J.R. and um and and put Batum on Shumpert, but and Batum getting the start in this game probably gets I'd say may nine to ten minutes per half in this one, but anyway. Yeah, and Giannis would be kind of the test case for us this season on that with the with the super lengthy point yeah. forward guy. So that didn't go too well for us, but uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully they have an off night. But it is a big night in Charlotte. The team is getting set to celebrate its roots. One quick note: a question I know a lot of you have: the actual classic jerseys will not be on sale. Uh, the chief marketing officer Pete Guelli wrote on Twitter they are aiming for December first to get those to the public. Okay. Wait, David, what up with that? You got a scoop on that? I mean, that that seems bizarre to me to not have them available for the rollout of Classic Night. I mean, people want these jerseys. I mean, I, I think obviously if they could have done it, they would have done it. Uh, did yeah, that, I don't did know. the box rip in half on the way from Nike? What's going on there? <laughs> that's a I, joke about the jerseys being poor quality. <laughs> yeah, I, I got it. That's why I laughed. I can't. I can't imagine they've started to redo the the like jerseys they sell in stores, but I don't know. Maybe they did. I don't know. That that seems like a bit of a miss there because, you know, they've been playing this for a while, but they also want to have them in for the holidays. Right. So I think I would think they got to be coming soon. I've got a theory. Ooh, hit it. They just got an advertiser. They were ready to get them on there. They got an advertiser. Well, I think I've got a theory. I've got a conspiracy theory that whatever you were just saying about Lending Tree and the advertiser uh, caused your connection to be poor. They were, oh. they've hacked our show. And they, but have, I don't know if those are putting it on the retail versions. I don't think they are. You guys, you you think these kids are going to go buy a jersey without the Lending Tree logo? <laughs> <laughs> no, I. That is I an interesting to... point. Do do have any of the other team like the Cavs jerseys, for instance? I don't think so. I think look kind of cooler with that Goodyear logo on them. I, yeah, know. I don't, I don't think those are selling those, but they will have the Mitchell and Ness throwback jerseys if you really, really. There's going to be throwback, one. yeah. There's going to be throwback gear for you to get your hands on uh, the jerseys again, aiming for December first on those. All right, can we get to Dell Curry? Is that okay with you, gentlemen? Can we talk to Dell Curry? I'm a big fan of Dell. All right. The, well, I, I'm a big fan of Dell too, David. I don't uh, the, know about the, you, but I, I felt like senior, I mean, this was Adele. his first podcast experience, and mm-hmm. I'm not. Sh- you know, by the end we of it, gentle. I think he was we were gentle with him. Well, we were, but I think by the end of it, he was tired of us. <laughs> I think by the end of this interview, he was like, "All right, guy." He he was he's used to the radio hits he that are it. like ten minutes long, and he was like, "Oh God, this is what a podcast is." <laughs> All right, this is what you've been waiting for. Let's get to our conversation with the great Del Curry. He spent the opening 10 seasons of the Hornets' existence with Charlotte. We take it all the way back to 88 and get his thoughts on what he thinks of the Hornets today. Enjoy. So tonight, the first classic night for the Charlotte Hornets. They will be busting out those classic jerseys, purple and teal, a celebration of the first era of Charlotte Hornets history. And joining us now on the Locked On Hornets line is one of the most synonymous names with all of the eras of Charlotte pro basketball, Del Curry. Del, welcome in. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to a great night. It's going to be fun, man. Playing, playing. We we need a win, and we're playing a team that's uh, been playing pretty good on the road. Absolutely. Now, Dell, is this your first podcast? It is. How about oh, that? Yes. 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 Wow. Got Doug, David, and Dell. We got 3D here on the podcast. <laughs> this is exciting. 3D going deep. I like it. <laughs> 
Hey, hey, Dell. The Hornets uh, are going to be wearing those those special classic jerseys, and th- that kind of takes things all the way back to the beginning of the franchise. You are a part of that beginning. What was going through your mind when you were selected by the Hornets in the expansion draft? You know, I remember that day, and, and uh, when Cleveland did not protect me, I, it was you know bittersweet. I had a lot of good friends in Cleveland where I played for a year, Brad Darty, Mark Price, but I knew I would get an opportunity to play. Uh, with Charlotte expansion team, a little closer to home, uh, you know, being from Virginia, my family and friends could come as long as they call first. So that was big. But uh, being a, my third year in the league, I, I just wanted an opportunity to get consistent minutes on the floor. Um, so I was excited, to, you know, to, to get there, start a new team. I knew a lot of the guys uh, who I was going to be playing with. Um, and we all were kind of in the same boat, young guys um, play coming from veteran teams, didn't get a lot of playing time, but, um, uh, just wanted to come in and improve ourselves and try to make a career out of our, out of uh, what we did in the league. And you came to Charlotte, uh, a small city that was uh, looking for something to sort of set it over the top, and that was the Charlotte Hornets franchise. Uh, how did you and the rest of the players sort of feel that energy of, of a city on the rise? Oh, you could feel it. I mean, immediately, as soon as you got off the plane or out of the car or whatever, this team in the city was fired up about the NBA basketball and what it was going to bring. Um, and we talked about that, you know, we, we knew that sometimes the NBA player you might not have the energy that it takes to play a game. But if you played uh, in Charlotte and you, and you knew it was going to be a sellout, you knew the fans were going to bring that energy. and You found it some kind of way. We knew wins were going to be hard to come by, uh, but we knew that our fans would, were, was going to be there night in and night out. It was a hard ticket to get. Um, so we really enjoyed, you know, the support of the fans. Uh, I remember that opening night, everybody came in tuxedos. We actually played Cleveland that first game, uh, and it, we were off and running. Um, so we, we were part of the community. I don't think I ever paid for a meal that whole first couple of years because <laughs> we were in Charlotte. Uh, but you could tell the city and everybody around it was, was really excited. Well, Dell, people ask us all the time, what has to happen for the passion to get close to where it was in, in, the ni- in 1989 in those early 90s times? It, it's probably impossible to re- recreate that exact feeling. Uh, but what what would need to happen to begin to forge something like Oklahoma City, Portland, uh, even Golden State had forged right before their recent championship runs? Well, I think the Hornets are on the right path. Obviously, you have to win games and you have to keep the fans in the city excited about coming to the arena, knowing that your team is going to have a chance to win every single night, regardless of who you play. The Hornets and their fans, the franchise done a wonderful job of reconnecting with the city once you know rebranded with the hornets players get out in the community Um, so all that is there but again you have to sustain competitiveness and winning uh, and keep people excited about their team and what they're coming to see on a nightly basis but we're back in 88 early hornets days we knew we were going to win a lot of games but our fans knew we're going to give them a best a good effort each and every night and they didn't come there to see the visiting team they came to see their team you know, they knew it was going to be times when we were going to win a lot of games. But I think now fans want to see their teams competitive. They want to see them win. They want to know that they're part of the community and the Hornets are doing all that. So, Dell, you came from Cleveland. Then you guys played Cleveland in the very first game. And they're playing Cleveland, of course, again on Classic Night. So I'm going to say that was the first revenge game in franchise history. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It was, it was a little surreal. <laughs> 
You know, I remember that game. I did not play the very first practice that we had in Grady Cole Center. Kenny Fields from UCLA. I'll never forget. I went up to shoot a floater in the lane. He kind of pushed me in my chest. I, I went to break my fall and I broke my wrist. So uh, I missed like the first couple of months of the season, wasn't able to play, but um, just to be, be on the bench and feel the energy. And uh, I said, this is going to be a fun time once I get back on the floor. And it definitely was. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, you're dropping some nuggets there, Grady Cole Center, some of those old days. I mean, those games were electric. Uh, I was lucky enough to be at that first game. Just a young guy. did not have my tuxedo on. But uh, the, the energy around that era of Hornets basketball was so crazy. Did you hold on to anything special from that early Hornets era? Uh, I've still got my pinstripe jersey. I'm going to I'm going to try to see if I can fit in it tomorrow. I'm not sure I can. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, my, my man cave is, is full of, uh, you know, retro Hornet gear, man. I think any kind of giveaway that we had that, uh, you know, his first couple of years, I hung on to it. So uh, even my, my two sons, my daughter, they, they often go back and look and they remember the days coming to the games, you know, hanging out in the arena. Uh, going to practice. So I have a lot of stuff, yeah, that uh, brings back a lot of memories. Speaking of fitting into jerseys, I I recently saw you and uh, LJ, Larry Johnson, dapping it up on the broadcast, and he looks pretty fit and trim these days. Uh, Here's the question. Who takes who in a game of one-on-one right now, (laughs) Dell? I was never a one-on-one player. I used LJ... I used him to get open, man. That's one of my favorite teammates of all time. You're right. He he really looks good up there in New York. Um, He was the low block one-on-one guy. He got me shots because he he drew a lot of double teams in the post. Really unselfish player. We had a great locker room uh, my entire 10 years with the Hornets. I've got so many guys that I played with that are good friends right now. It's like a fraternity. You know, you might not see each other for a couple of months, but when you do, it's like we talked yesterday on the phone. That's how it is with uh, LJ, Muggsy, though. Kenny Gaddis and all those guys, man. We, we remember, you know, lacing them up, going to battle every single night. And then those are things that, that, you know, you have a lot of memories with those guys and you never forget. So you and LJ were part of two playoff runs and then you were part of two more in the late 90s with the Rice Mason Divac crew. Do you look back on any of those and say, you know, one or two breaks and, and, and that team could have made some waves in the postseason, some more waves? I, I tell people all the time, I wish – We'd have held on to Alonzo a couple more years. I think we lost in the second round the year before he got traded to Miami. That team was very special. Uh, We had great starters. We had wonderful bench play. We had great great chemistry, camaraderie. We hung out. Our families hung out. And those are type things that it takes to win championships and and, and advance uh, in the playoffs. It's so tough. And, uh, you know, on our broadcast, we talk about team chemistry all the time. We had it back then. We knew it. Um, so I would have loved to, for Alonzo to hang around a couple of years. I think that team could have been very special. Talking here with Hornets legend Dell Curry. Dell, there's been so many changes to the style of play over the last two decades. More pick and roll, more movement, more three-point shots. But one thing that people are just starting to talk about now is how fast the game is getting. What are you seeing in terms of, of pace of play, and how is that affecting the game, and how is that different from when you played? Well, one, you don't have as many big guys. We we have one in Dwight Howard who's, uh, you know, still able to, to do what he do, does down the post. But just there's, there's not a lot of guys uh, that you can throw the ball into and, and get things done in the post. It's a smaller league now. We'll see that, uh, you know, when, when Cleveland comes on the floor uh, tonight. 
and with Kevin Love playing the center, it's a pace of play game. And the league wanted that. They wanted a faster pace. They wanted to score the basketball. Um, so teams and coaches create a formula for that, and it's going small. You see the stretch forward. Now we're talking about stretch fives, uh, guys that can step out and shoot the three, tons of pick and rolls. Uh, we had a lot of set plays. Uh, with a lot of screens, baseline screens when I was in the league. Now everything's done on the perimeter uh, in screening roles because you have guys that can shoot the ball with, with range. And you have to be able to just shoot and make threes in the league today, I think, to be successful and, and sustain your, your competitiveness and, and your wins in the league. So I really like um, where the game's at. It's exciting. Um, and it's a smaller game. I, I I always tell people, I wish I was, uh, you know, a little younger. I think I would, I would do well with how the NBA is played nowadays. That's for sure. I was going to say that's that's you, DC. That's that's hitting the three. I mean, you would have loved to play in this era, right? Oh, absolutely, man. We, I mean, you got you're scoring 130, 25, 30, 35 points a game. Um, you know, if if I shot 23s in a in a month, you know, people would probably say that's a lot. Now we see we're seeing individual guys shoot 12, 15 you know, threes themselves in a game. Um, So, one, you have to have an offensive strategy and a coach that allows you to to do that. And you got to make sure that you can uh, make a, a, you know, good percentage of those. Because I say, if you miss miss threes, then that means the other teams will get the ball. That's a fast break on the other end. So we talked a lot about the past. Let's fast forward to now. The Hornets just wrapped a tough, uh, winless road trip. Last two games were marked by big fourth quarter comebacks from the home teams. Did that surprise you after how well uh, the team had started, all things considered, with the injuries and the absences and how hard they had fought to begin this season? Nothing surprised me in the NBA. Uh, With Batoon out, MKG in and out of the lineup, it's hard to win on the road in the NBA. Um, you know, teams are not going to feel sorry for you when you come into their building. It is disappointing to lose, you know, double-digit leads. Uh, but you think about the teams that we played on the road. San Antonio had lost four in a row coming off East Coast trip. They needed a win. You go to Minnesota, they were a hot team. They'd won five, uh, four or five in a row. You go to New York, they had been playing better. They started the season 0-3 and when we played them, they had won five or six. Porzingis was really taking off, scoring 30 a night. Um, that crowd got involved in the in the fourth quarter, uh, down 11. So you know what how Madison Square Garden crowd is when they get on a roll. Then you go to Boston, big blow with Kyrie going out, but they had some guys step up off the bench. Uh, you know, it's disappointing when you lose a 12-point lead. You would think that you could hold on and do that, but it's tough. And again, you don't score the ball in the fourth quarter. Um, I think that that's the telltale sign. You have to be able to sustain consistency and either defensively getting stops or scoring the basketball. You think you're up 11. Okay. If we just, uh, you know, tie the quarter, we win, but it's so difficult in the league. Uh, when you're on the road, any mistake you make, you make, it seems like the other team is able to compound it and hit threes. And they did that. And uh, now you're coming home facing a tough team where you need a win. Uh, and you have to get your rhythm, your confidence back. You go, out to Chicago for a quick one, and you come back, you have some winnable games at home, but you got to get your, your swagger back, your confidence back. Um, getting Batum back in the lineup, MKG now back in rhythm, hopefully that'll really help. Big, Yeah, that's the big story this week. Nick Batum closing in on a return. Batum has made a big deal about seeing things that have been missing from the Hornets and how he could fill in those gaps. Where will the Hornets get better immediately when Nick Batum returns to action in your estimation? both ends, especially offensively, the facilitator he is uh, in the, on those games on the road. You saw Kimba 
get the ball in his hands a lot of times with the shot clock winding down, having to take shots. Now, we've seen Kimba Walker make those time and time again. But with Nick Patum out there, you can take Kimba off the ball, uh, get the defensive attention away from him, and then get it back to him. Nick's such a smart player. Traveling with the team and watching uh, Dwight play and, and how some of his new teammates play and, want the, and how they want the ball. Nick will be able to, to do that immediately. Now, Nick Batum himself has got to get back, back in shape, back in game rhythm. And the only way he's going to do that is on the floor. He's got to make sure he's comfortable with his with his elbow. Uh, so he's got a lot going on himself. But just having a presence like Nick on the floor, a smart, intelligent guy, high IQ, knowing uh, how to use his teammates, uh, it, it can do nothing but help your team. Dale, Dale, to that point with the injuries and some of the issues they've gone through so far, you know, had you been told in September this team would be around 500, you know, 10 or so games in, that'd be without Batum, without MKG for half the time, would you have taken that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. A 500 team without a full lineup, uh, you know, for, for the first, you know, 10, 11, 12 games, absolutely. Uh, especially with the with how tough the, the first 23 games are. I've said this, 23 games, 15 against teams that made the playoffs in there, though, throw two in with Minnesota. So it's a really tough start of the year. And then you're without a couple of guys that you count on uh, to really help you win games on both ends of the floor. And, and it's tough. So a 500 couple games under at this t- point in time, I think you have to take that and be happy move forward. Batum's return, uh, when, whenever it is, if it's against Cleveland or, or beyond that, will most likely mean Jeremy Lamb's going to head back to the bench. He's done an amazing job filling in for Batum, not only with his scoring, but also his passing. Now, you went through stretches of starting and transitioning back to a six-man role several times in your career. What does it take to maintain that high level of play through changes in, in when and, and how much you play? One, one word, minutes. And coaches said that once, even though Jeremy will probably go back to the bench, his minutes will remain the same. And that's all a player wants is consistency in his minutes. Jeremy has earned that with the way he's played this year. I mean, you can you can go back and look at the wins, and he's been a significant part of every single one of them. Having a career year, you now his fifth year in the league, I think he's really turned the page. But and he's deserved and earned the minutes that he's going to get. Um, again, he's a guy that'll boast you that second unit. Uh, we, we have. Two really good rookies in Dwayne Bacon and Malik Monk. Uh, but when you're relying on rookies early in their career uh, to play heavy minutes, uh, you know, it's tough. So putting Jeremy back on that bench to bolster the second unit. And, uh, you know, usually the second unit is out there to start the fourth. Last couple of games, that's been a problem starting the fourth quarter with not a lot of rhythm, not a lot of energy. Uh, Jeremy will definitely help in that area because he can score the ball. You mentioned Malik Monk there. He's had an up-and-down debut. He's had nights when he's been every bit of the dynamic scorer and clutch performer. The Hornets are excited about him being. But then there are other nights that he struggled to get a shot to fall. How did you deal with the ups and downs early on in your career, and, and what kind of advice did you get? You're, you're, the veterans, Charlotte has some great veterans, and they obviously they've all been rookies, and rookies are going to go up and down and how they play scoring the basketball. They're, they're, they're seeing and feeling everything for the first time. So you, you got to give them a little lee- leeway there. Malik, you said he's had some great games, especially in the wins. But that's going to happen over the course of the season. The rookies are going to go up and down. You just got to understand their rookies, uh, keep their confidence up. They've got their, Both our rookies are very confident guys. I don't think their confidence will sway whether they you know, have good or bad nights. Um, and, and team coach has confidence in them. They, they put in the work, continue to work. 
But the NBA is tough. And, and your first time around, um, teams are going to take what you do well away, and, and you've got to make adjustments. So that's where at right now they're trying to adjust uh, to what team, team, how teams are trying to play them. And speaking of those rookies, Dell, you know, it's only natural for fans to compare, uh, you know, rookies from other teams, see what other guys are doing. But it's all different situations, right? Like you have a guy in, in Utah and Donovan Mitchell. He's being basically told he's got to be the guy. Like they've lost so many players out there. They're they're making they're asking him to score and, and score in bunches. Whereas Malik is here. They asked him to run some point, distribute, provide a score in punches well. What should fans keep in mind when watching both Bacon and Monk kind of grow into these roles? You know, keep your expectations uh, at a minimum. You know, Malik never played uh, that much point guard. And that's another guy we haven't talked about, Michael Carter-Williams, who brought in the backup Timber. He's had some new issues. He's trying to get back into shaping and rhythm. Had a decent road trip a couple of games. But it's, it's forcing guys, again, rookies to play kind of out of position. Uh, early in their career to learn on the fly, especially how dominant heavy the league is at the point guard position. Every night you're facing tough point guards and to ask Malik to go out and guard those guys uh, and also score the ball. That's asking a lot of a rookie. Um, he's going to be able to do that. Both of those guys, he and, and Bacon, will be wonderful players in this league. But again, they're having to learn on the fly. It's a faster-paced game. Uh, but, you know, they, they played well. But, again, they're going to be up and down, and, and uh, they can't lose their confidence. Their teammates will really help them with that. And, uh, you know, they, they just got to press forward. It's a marathon. It's a long season. You can't get wrapped up in one game. You just you look at the film, you learn from it, and, and then you got to. All right, Dale, before we get you out of here, I know you have the night off ESPN broadcasting this one, but – uh, this is a very interesting matchup because you've got a team in Cleveland that might be one of the most positionless teams in the NBA. Which of the matchups will you be watching closely from the stands? Well, you've got a couple of them there. I think Love at that center position, the White's going to have to step out and, and play pick and roll. Love can shoot the three, so he'll have to make an adjustment there. But you throw it in the post. I think the White can get some rim runs and, and uh, combat that matchup. But who keeps LeBron out of the out of transition game early? He's a one man fast break when he gets the basketball. Um, and what do you do when it's a close game? You know he's going to have the ball if it's in his right hand. He's looking to get to the rim. If it's in his left. Uh, he's probably going to shoot a three. Those are little things you're going to have to keep in mind. But there's several several matchups. The bench will be a big one as well. Um, you know how will Jeremy if if Nick plays and starts? How will Jeremy play his first game coming off the bench? Uh, he's done that before, but to do it against a team of the caliber of Cleveland for the first night national TV, uh, you know, it could be challenging. I'm not on the call. Uh, Fox Sports Southeast gave us a night off, so I'm going to be in my seats as a fan enjoying the game, uh, and I can't wait. Big thanks to Dell Curry there for joining us. Lots of fascinating information there in that interview, and, and love the comments there on Lamb. Just give him the minutes, David. That's what he needs. He needs minutes. That's what's been the big difference this year. Also, has improved three-point shooting and assists, but uh, the minutes have been the big thing to get that confidence up, I think. And that's when you look back at Dell's numbers, as a sixth man, he was averaging over 30 minutes a game. They just did it differently back then. They didn't play these 10-man rotations back then, but at the same time, I think Dell understands you just got to get the you got to get the time on the court, and consistency in minutes going to be a big deal for Jeremy Lamb. And I, and I think 
I just hearing the, the the things that Steve Clifford has been saying leading up to Nick Batum's return, I just feel like there's a big role in store for Jeremy Lamb off the bench. Okay, we've drafted our teams for Draft Wednesday here on Draft.com. There's big stakes on this right now. The two losers of this draft will have to take the one-chip challenge or, or maybe there's a like a chip and a, and a not hot chip. I don't know. We haven't totally figured this out yet. But next week, someone is, is eating some kind of chip. All right, so... The stakes have never been more murky. <laughs> we, we don't know what's at stake. Uh, my team is Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Paul George, Andre Drummond. Uh, Antetokounmpo, I always take him in the first round. That's my rule. If he's available, I take him first. And I had to take two Oklahoma City players because you guys let me take Paul George with the very last pick, you suckers. Hey, Doug, what's your record? Just, uh, what in Mug versus the Doug? Yeah, I'm just, I'm on I'm uh, one in three. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> and against David, I believe zero, zero winning percentage. How, how, Nick, how yeah, confident okay. are you that you, you seem to be very, um, seem to be very wary of this chip challenge? How confident are you that you can avoid the chip? <laughs> Well, I guess I'll just got to make sure that I actually, um, all these guys are actually playing, you know, that I, that's that, step one. Cause I didn't do that last time. And that's the only reason I'm not undefeated at this point. So, mm. and it was Kristaps. You, you drafted Kristaps again and it was Kristaps that, that got you. Yeah, I know, but I'm gonna make sure he's, he doesn't get me again. Yeah. Because there's a, there's your, your, your mouth is on the line. That's true. I had a po- body's on the line too, possibly. I don't know. I uh, I gotta point this out. The the conceit of this is actually pretty great. You you flip the chip. Normally you're trying to win the chip, right? Trying to avoid, yeah. That's now you're trying to not win the chip. Championship. That's short. Championship. Doug doesn't play uh, sports like uh, David and Nick and I. Sport? Do. I know I do not play sport. <laughs> hey, David, I like that you took both Kimba Walker and LeBron James on your team. So you're hedging your bets here for tonight's classic night. Oh, a head-to-head showdown. Uh, that was super easy to draft, uh, you guys. The one thing that confused me was uh, was Ben Simmons uh, as a forward, I guess. Who got him? Nick, you, you ended up getting him. Um, but uh, that was a lot of fun because it was super easy for me to get LeBron James with the first pick, and that's one rule I have in all the none times I've done this is always pick LeBron James. It's LeJean Brames. Right. Going to be a fun night at the Spectrum Center. Spectrum Center. Wait a second. Wait a second. I almost got through this whole show. I missed it. I missed it right at the buzzer. Almost got through this whole show doing it well. And there I just ruined it. Uh, It's going to be a fun night at the Spectrum Center. Make sure you are there. We need the home crowd cheering on the Hornets just like the Knicks and the Celtics had for those past two home games. Need that same environment. Uh, behind the Hornets in this one. Again, thanks to Del Curry for joining us. Uh, make sure, yeah. Quick plug. Uh, uh-huh. If you, uh, you know, if you're a sh- uh, season ticket holder and you can't go tonight, just uh, hit me up at <laughs> Queen City Cobra on Twitter. D- slide in the DMs. I love, don't, don't use our show to get cheap tickets. <laughs> no, use I didn't say cheap use tickets. Something. I said free tickets. Actually, I didn't specify. Thanks. I want to go. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. 
Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, whatever you use to get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets and tell somebody, tell a friend about the very best Hornets talk that you can find anywhere. And shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We're back again tomorrow. We're going to be live on YouTube with a recap of this game against the Cavaliers. For David and Steve and Nick, I'm Doug saying go Hornets, go America. Nick's definitely eating a hot chip next week. Beat the Cavaliers. Let's swarm. Sure.